If you would, uh, bow with me for just a moment before we get started. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for um, today. We thank you for the presence of you here in this place among us. Father, we ask that in our spiritual race, that you would help us to finish strong. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us to throw off the sin and everything that hinders us and to run with perseverance the race that you've marked out. God, we all stumble and we ask that you would help us up and help us to finish. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and all of us here together say amen. There was a documentary that came out recently right before the uh, Summer Olympics this year a 15-minute program that you could see on YouTube or on ESPN's website if you want to, called The Evolution of Michael Phelps. And it tells a little bit about the story of this famous swimmer who now has not only the most medals in Olympic history, but also has broken a 2,100-year-old record. There was an ancient athlete named Leonidas of Rhodes who had set the ancient record for winning 12 individual crowns. He was an expert in three different kinds of races. Basically, uh, the modern equivalent would be like a 200 meter, the 400 meter, and then something we don't have, but it would be like running the 400 meter race with a suit of bronze armor, a sword, and a shield on. Leonidas of Rhodes won all three events at four consecutive Olympics, earning himself 12 individual crowns. And that record of 12 individual gold medals or championships or crowns stood for 2,100 years until Michael Phelps won his 13th individual gold medal at the Rio Games just a week ago. But in between his entrance into the Olympics at 15 in the 2000 Sydney Games and breaking the 2,100-year-old record, there was a lot more that happened in his life. This documentary tells a little bit about his story, about how after 2012 in London, his life began to spiral. Michael Phelps retired from swimming. He had gained enough fame, his coach Bob Bowman said, he didn't need us anymore. He didn't need the coach, he didn't need the team, and so he was enjoying the fame, and in Phelps' own words, he was really acting like a jerk. He was ignoring and cutting off the people that had helped him to get where he was getting. And it all kind of came together after he had come back to his coach and said, I want to make a comeback attempt for the Rio games. Uh, And his coach said, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think you're ready for this. And Phelps talked him into it. And right after they had made this agreement that he would try for a comeback, Phelps was out at a casino one night, and he was drinking, and on the way home, he was arrested for a DUI, and that was his second DUI. And so this is the way Michael Phelps described the moment in which he was arrested. Uh, here's a picture of it, and here's him in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the courtroom there, or in the jail right there as they're booking him, and the thought he said was in his head at this moment was this, I am finished. This is it for me. And I think maybe that you have felt this way at some point. Maybe not for the same reasons, but there's been a moment in your life when you did something or you were a part of something and you were caught or it was found out or you confessed and your thoughts inside was, this is it. I am finished. 
now. So Phelps was suspended from the swimming team for six months, plus he wasn't allowed to compete in the 2015 World Championships, which is kind of built to help you get ready for the Olympics. So there was some major punishments that came down because of this. But the worst part was that his life was just falling to pieces. Phelps had a lifetime of issues with his father. And the documentary talks about this. His father, Fred Phelps, had divorced his mom when he was very young, and he grew up feeling very responsible for this. Responsible for the fact that he couldn't hold his family together. And maybe you've experienced something like this. Maybe your failures and inadequacies are different, but maybe it has to do with family in one way or another. What I don't know is what's going on in your life, but what I do know is this. That in the evolution of, and if you're following in your program today, I want you to fill in the blanks here with your own name. Okay, the top box is Michael's story, but the bottom box is yours. The evolution of Josh Bundy, in the life of Josh Bundy, in your life as you fill in your name, that we all experience personal inadequacies. Every one of us has some type of failures, and it makes us feel like whatever this race is we've been running, like we have fallen, and we're laying down on the track, and yeah, the finish line is around the curve somewhere, but I can't even see it. Acts 20, 24 is an account of Paul's last visit with the Ephesian elders, and he says this to them, my only aim is to finish. My only aim is to finish. I just want to be able to keep putting one foot in front of the other and finish this thing. And the rest of the verse says this. He says, I want to finish. I want to complete the task that Jesus has given me. My only aim is to finish. But maybe you uh, can't see the path anymore. Maybe it's hard sometimes to get out of bed in the morning. Maybe you've been there at some point in the past, even if it isn't today, but we all know what this feels like. And, and here's the thing, it's so subjective because only you know your greatest failures. And I want you, you know, to think about this. Don't just write on your bulletin, but think about this today. In that blank provided for you, my greatest failure is. And I want you to spend some time and think about this, but not to, not to relive it, not to douse yourself with guilt or submerse yourself in that dark time, but I want you to deal with, like this was my lowest point, this is when I was laying on the track and not running anymore. My greatest failure was, because only you know that, and I can't preach that to you, but you and God can talk about it. Here's something that happens to all of us when we get to that low point, I am finished to that point. We have missed the point of the training that God called us to. And we've missed the point of the qualifying that God has called us to. And we get to the point where we forget that our life is more than just the curated moments. And I'll explain in a minute here what I mean by curated moments. But think about this. For two weeks, we've talked about training and qualifying. Training meaning we're lifting God up above all other interests in our life. I am not going to commit idolatry by putting something else in his place. I'm going to live for him. Secondly, qualifying. I will live for my brothers and my sisters. I am not the most important person in the room. I love you enough that I won't exercise all of my rights if it means helping you towards heaven. And these really kind of come across best in Jesus' teaching 
In the book of Mark, in chapter 12, you can write this down, this is important. Verse 30 and 31, Mark 12, 30 and 31, Jesus gave us these two commandments. You remember them, the greatest commandment, love God above all else, right? That's the training. Don't commit idolatry, put God first, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one that's like it is love your neighbor as yourself. The idolatry, the qualifying, the training. Sometimes we forget all of that. But maybe most importantly, we forget this. Our life doesn't consist in these curated moments. We live in a world now where all of our social media like Instagram, shows the very best curated parts of our lives that we want to share. And sometimes when we're looking at all of the lives that everybody else leads and the beautiful photos that they post and the perfect things that they say about their lives, we start to think, man, my life does not look like that. And if you think about this last few weeks of the Rio games and what NBC does because their job is to market the games, they only show scandal or heartbreak if it's a lead-in to a really great ending. You know, they don't tell the stories that's like, Man, you know, this athlete trained and trained and trained, and now he lost, and it's, you know, and that's it, it's over. No, they only tell those stories whenever they have something to finish with, right? They tell the Michael Phelps documentary after he's made the comeback. But you don't always live knowing what your comeback is. And so thinking that these curated views of life, this carefully crafted portrayal of the ideal life is going to uh, fix or make you happy or help you to understand why you're laying down on the track and can't get up right now, it will not work. This perfect image wears on us. It makes us feel guilty. Here was the, uh, the highest or the largest Google search last Wednesday, you know, just four days ago. A guy, a guy said this, he said, I typed when into Google, just one word, when. And this is what came up, when are the Olympics over? <laughs> and you're thinking, when are the sermons on the Olympics over? <laughs> well, this week. When are the Olympics over? You see, even the Olympics that people look forward to has fatigue. It gets worn out. And here was what another Twitter user said that I think helps explain why this was the largest search on Google last Wednesday. When are the hashtag Olympics over so I can go back to shameless snacking while starring, I think they meant staring, at the Netflix buffer instead of overly toned demigods? In other words, the Twitter user is saying this. I'm tired of looking at bodies and lives that are so much better than mine. I just want my Netflix and some chocolate. <laughs> We've all been there. Here's an answer to our problem, at least a beginning of an answer from Philippians chapter 3. And this is another one of Paul's athletic metaphors, but it's such an important one for today's message about finishing strong. Paul wrote this to the Philippians. Not that I've already obtained this. Like, I am not there yet, right? I'm not at the finish line yet. Not that I'm already perfect. But I press on to make it my own. And his reason, his reason, I want you to think about this reason, 
because Christ has made me his own. Paul's reason, why do I get back up off the track? Why do I put my eyes back on the finish line? Why do I continue on? Why do I strive to make the Christian vision my own? Because Christ has already made me his own. Because he has already claimed me in my inadequacies and in my sin, he has already made me his own. And so I press on. I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal. And this is why I want you to write down today, like, my greatest inadequacy or my greatest failure is because the purpose of this is so that you can see it firmly rooted in your past and know in that moment Jesus was claiming me as his own. And now I'm moving past it with Jesus. I'm moving towards a strong finish. In the story, The Evolution of Michael Phelps, you get a little bit more information about what this dark time was like. After his arrest, Phelps struggled with suicidal thoughts and he ended up going into rehab. He even says that for a while he locked himself in his room, he wouldn't talk to anybody, he wouldn't talk to his girlfriend, he wouldn't talk to his family. All he was thinking about is maybe they would all be better off without me. Messing things up over and over. And the guilt about his relationship with his father was plaguing him again. But something really beautiful happened in the midst of his darkest moment. Maybe an unlikely protagonist, but a fellow Baltimore resident and athletic icon, Ray Lewis, reached out to Michael Phelps. He called him, and this is what he said to Phelps. This is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. This is when we fight in the middle of our darkest moments. When you're on the ground, on the track, you think you've been disqualified from the race. This is when real character shows up. Don't end it here. And I know this seems like such an unlikely twist, but I promise you this is true. You can watch the video. You can read about this on Relevant.com, which is a Christian magazine that curates stories about Christianity and culture. And this is the story in the video about Michael Phelps is that Ray Lewis gave him a copy of The Purpose Driven Life. Right? The Rick Warren book, like the Christian icon book, right? This number one bestseller. And he gives this book, The Purpose Driven Life, to Phelps. Here's a photograph, a still shot that comes out of the documentary. The second devotional in the book, day two, that says you're not an accident and your birth wasn't a mistake. Your parents might not have planned you, but God has a plan for you. And on the second day of doing this devotional, Michael Phelps called Ray Lewis back as he realized there is something in this that I have been missing in my relationship with my father. The purpose-driven life in that second day devotional makes this point. You were not a mistake. And I want you to internalize this this morning and realize you're not an accident. And the fact that you're here today isn't an accident. And even the fact that you were down there on the track at some point, maybe this morning, is not an accident. This is part of real life, the ups and the downs. This beautiful psalm, 138 verse 8 the first part of that psalm in the ESV reads this way. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. 
this beautiful promise that's quoted in the Purpose Driven Life that Michael Phelps read with his own eyes while he was sitting in rehab and that you can read in your dark moments from Psalm 138, the Lord will fulfill his promise for me. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. The very next psalm famously elaborates on this fact. Psalm 139. Oh, and if I had time for us to all read it this morning, but write it down and read it at home. And I just will share two of the verses from it here with you today. Verses 15 and 16 say this. My frame wasn't hidden from you, God, when I was made in the secret place. I was woven together in the depths of the earth, but your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. This great promise that your God has known you and that he has planned your life, even the parts that are so dark he knew about, and he made plans to bring you back from that disqualification. While he was in rehab for 45 days, the facility hosted a family week. They challenged all of the residents there to reach out to family members and bring them in for this week of communication and bonding and honesty. And Michael Phelps reached out to his dad. He decided to invite Fred Phelps to come to family week, thinking, uh, like, what do I have to lose? And thinking that Fred wouldn't come. And in the interview, they asked Fred, like, you know, what did you think when you got the invitation? And he said, I decided right that moment I was going to go. And, and Michael said this. He said, I didn't want to live my life with that what if. Like I had finally come to a place where I'm starting to see clearly and know there's a plan for me. And I didn't want to live with that what if. What if I don't give him a chance? What if I don't try for restoration? What if I don't try to finish strong? Fred Phelps said this, when I arrived and he hugged me and we kissed, I knew I had my son back. They spent the week and they both are very honest about it. It was not easy talking about their life together and their life apart. Here's a picture from the rehab facility. Uh, No, I'm sorry, this is a little bit after rehab, after Michael and his girlfriend had their baby boy of Fred Phelps visiting and meeting his grandson. Something he thought he would never be welcomed into. Something Michael Phelps thought maybe he would never invite him to be part of. Your life, as you're trying to get it on track towards the finish line, has the same promise in it. God says this about you in so many ways, in so many stories in scripture. When you've hit that darkest moment and you begin to come back out of it and you look to him again and you call on him and you say, I want to try to rebuild this. He says, I have my son back. I have my daughter back. I have my child back. What God has been wanting from before time began, not only to know you, but for you to know him. And this is where our story today ends. And the decision becomes yours as you think about how this applies to your life. What will you do about it? Fred Phelps said one more thing that I thought was important. He said, I had something back after that week that I didn't know I would get back. And when I did, there was love. And it doesn't get much better than that.
I cannot promise you, the church can't promise you, our shepherds can't promise you that there won't be dark days again, that you won't mess up again, that you won't struggle with the right type of Christian training or qualification, but we can promise this, that with Jesus Christ, every one of us is able to finish strong. This, these dark moments are when we fight, when real character shows up, and I would like to add this, when real faith shows up. Do you trust Jesus enough to go with him, even limping, to the finish line? The series is yours and the message is yours. I pray that in your hearts, as well as in mine, that we would always keep our eyes focused on the goal, which is Jesus Christ. Let's stand.